Welcome back to Generals and Napoleon, episode 20, Marshal Ogeru, Duke of Castiglione. His military exploits in Italy were legendary, but the baggage trains of Ogeru were probably even more famous due to all the loot and treasure they carried, which earned him the nickname of the Proud Bandit. His achievements in Napoleon's army were also well documented. After the decisive 1796 Battle of Castiglione, Napoleon wrote of Ogeru that he, quote, has plenty of character, courage, firmness, activity, is inured to war, is well liked by the soldiery, is fortunate in his operations, end quote. Napoleon's opinion of him would change in the latter stages of the empire. His early and middle career was the stuff of legends. Starting from a meager upbringing, he lived the life of a mercenary in his younger years, following armies and wars around Europe. Fortunately, Europe was never short of wars, with kings and generals constantly searching for soldiers to fight under their flag. His latter career was a return to his meagerness, after so much success and wealth. Ogeru wanted to enjoy his laurels, and lost his zeal for his profession, and later remarked during the Battle of Leipzig, quote, Do you think I am such a fool to die for the sake of a German suburb? End quote. Pierre Ogeru was born in Paris on October 21st, 1757. His father was a poor mason and fruit seller, while his mother worked in a furniture shop. He spoke German in his home as his mother was originally from Munich. He received some education and was described as a six foot tall, handsome young man. After turning 17, Ogeru joined the French army in 1774. After that, Ogeru's history is somewhat murky for the next few decades. He was an incorrigible boaster, so it became difficult for his friends and colleagues to figure out which stories were true and which were exaggerated. He was discharged in 1775 either by request or by demand of his superiors. He waited tables and worked at a gambling house, but was fired for seducing a waitress. He then re-enlisted in the army in a company of dragoons. He quickly became an infamous swordsman and duelist. He became regarded as a man that was not to be trifled with. According to General Marbeau, Ogeru encountered a bully from another army unit who heard he was a good swordsman. Before the sword fight started, the bully asked Ogeru if he'd like to be buried in the city or the country afterwards. The unfazed Ogeru replied that he'd like to be buried in the country. The bully replied, quote, Very well, we will put you beside the two sergeants I fought yesterday. End quote. The eventual duel was won by Ogeru, who told the bully with a killing thrust, quote, You shall be buried in the country. End quote. Ogeru worked his way up to become a sergeant in the army. 
but during a review of his unit, a junior officer struck him with a cane for insubordination. Ogeroux responded by immediately slashing and killing the officer. Ogeroux quickly fled both the army and France and became a soldier of fortune. For the next decade, he drifted across Europe, serving with the Russian army under the famous General Suvorov in the war against the Ottoman Empire. He also claimed to have served in the Prussian military for a spell before deserting due to harsh treatment of Frenchmen within that army. He later served as a fencing master in Saxony, but he longed to return to his home country. Luckily for him, in 1781, King Louis XVI declared amnesty for all deserting soldiers, and Ogeroux finally returned to France. In 1784, he joined the French cavalry and served as a French instructor to the Italian kingdom of Naples. While in Naples, Ogeroux fell in love with the daughter of a Greek merchant. Her name was Gabrielle Grache. When her father refused to allow the future marshal to marry his daughter, Ogeroux deserted the army once again, and the couple eloped and spent the next few years in Portugal. Ogeroux was known to be a doting husband and was truly saddened when Gabrielle died in 1806 while he was away on campaign. Ogeroux married again in 1809. His new wife, Adelaide Josephine, was the 19-year-old daughter of an aristocrat. She remained married to the marshal until his death. Neither marriage produced any children. Getting back to our story, in 1791, during the height of the French Revolution, Ogeroux returned to Paris and welcomed the Republican egalitarian values of the new government. In 1792, he re-enlisted in the military in the Parisian National Guard. The following year, his unit was sent to the Vendée region of France to put down an uprising there. After a month of fighting a violent group of rebels, his unit deserted in droves, and Ogeroux was arrested and detained until June of that year. Following his release, he joined the 11th Hussars Cavalry Unit and was promoted to captain. From there, he served as an aide-de-camp to an unscrupulous wagonmaster general named Rossignol. Although he was promoted to lieutenant colonel, he worked in the difficult supply chains of the French army. Disliking the position, he transferred to the Army of the Pyrenees. Here, he performed well in the war with Spain. Ogeroux utilized his military experience by drilling and training his 6,000 troops, most of which were new recruits. He earned the nickname, the Big Prussian, for his thoroughness and discipline. In late 1793, he was promoted to General of Division, which was the highest position in the army at that time. Not bad for a commoner's kid from the streets of Paris. In 1794, he led his men in the Battle of Saint-Laurent-de-la-Muga. Working with future Marshal Perignon, they defeated a Spanish army twice their size. Ogeroux was also wounded by several musket balls during the engagement. In November of 1794, 
He served at the Battle of Black Mountain, which was another French victory. He developed a good talent for picking terrain and for taking good care of his men. After Spain sued for peace, Augereau was transferred to the French Army of Italy. He performed well at the Battle of Luano, supported by future marshals Long and Victor. In 1796, Augereau was 39 years old when a young 26-year-old officer by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte arrived to take control of the Army of Italy. At first glance, the burly Augereau was unimpressed by the diminutive Napoleon. But after their first meeting together, Augereau remarked, quote, that little bastard of a general actually frightened me, end quote. The two men had a similar approach to war, which was attack, attack, attack. Sweeping across Italy against the Austrians in the battles of Melissimo and Lodi, Augereau again performed at a high level. Napoleon was impressed by the spacing of his columns and his timely attacks. Both were the products of Augereau's discipline and training of his men. He was a stern disciplinarian during peacetime, but during warfare, he encouraged looting of food, clothing, and wealth, and his men loved him for it. General Desai recorded his impression of the future marshal. Quote, fine big man, handsome face, big nose, has served in many countries, a soldier with few equals, always bragging, end quote. But Augereau's finest work was the Battle of Castiglione in August 1796, where Napoleon's 30,000 troops faced off against 25,000 soldiers of the Austrian army. Pinned between two wings of the Austrian army, Augereau held off the eastern column, which gave Napoleon time to destroy the western column. Napoleon's troops then marched to Augereau's aid to finish off the eastern side of the Austrian army. Augereau's boasting afterwards claimed that Napoleon wanted to retreat, and he was the one who advised him to fight it out at Castiglione. All the while in Italy, Augereau was lining his pockets with gems and gold, to the point where his baggage trains became a mobile treasury. His courage at the Battle of Arcole was also the stuff of legends, as he was one of the generals who grabbed the flag to lead his men to victory. Although the casualties were about even in that engagement, 4,000 on each side, Napoleon won the battle. In 1797, Napoleon dispatched him to Paris for the coup of 18 Fructidor, which was a military-backed purge to get rid of pro-royalist politicians who were trying to restore the monarchy. Napoleon knew his man had the threatening military bearing to scare the Parisian politicians, but also knew Augereau didn't have the political savvy to take power himself. When he arrived at the capital, he was asked by the directory government what he was doing there. He calmly responded, quote, why I've come to kill the royalists, end quote. The general threatened and blustered with his troops until the conservative royalist politicians were expelled from France. Two years later, in Napoleon's coup for power, 
Ogeru supported his old boss once he made sure the coup would be successful. For a moment, it looked like Napoleon's coup might fail as well, when he was rebuffed and thrown out by the House of Legislators. Ogeru remarked, quote, You are in pretty deep water now, end quote. To which Napoleon responded, quote, So what? It was much worse at Arcole, end quote. After regaining his composure, Napoleon went back into the House of Legislators with his grenadiers, and the coup was successful. In 1800, Napoleon placed Ogeru in charge of the French army in Holland. After peace was declared, he retired to his estates for a few years to count his immense wealth and make improvements to his mansion. He also loaned 300,000 francs to General Long, who overspent his budget while in charge of the council at guard. He didn't even charge interest to his old colleague. In 1804, he was named one of the original 18 Marshals of the Empire. Marshal Bernadotte also asked him for a 200,000 franc loan to make improvements on his estate, to which Ogeru also agreed to. When Bernadotte's wife asked about the interest rate on the loan, Ogeru responded, quote, Madame, when a marshal is fortunate enough to oblige a comrade, the pleasure of doing him a service is enough for him. End quote. Later that year, he was assigned command of 7th Corps of the Grand Armée, which was stationed at Brest for the proposed invasion of England. When the French Navy was unable to control the English Channel, Napoleon switched gears and launched an attack on the Austrians in Ulm, Germany. Ogeru's corps was the farthest away from the battlefield, but did contribute by tracking down Austrian General Jelicic and his 15,000 troops. Jelicic and his corps had slipped out of the net of Napoleon's crushing of General Mack in the Ulm campaign. Ogeru fought a series of small engagements and split Jelicic's force apart until the Austrian general finally surrendered in November 1805. The following year, Prussia went to war against France. Just before Prussia went to war, a group of noblemen in the Prussian Chevalier Guards sharpened their swords on the steps of the French embassy in Berlin. This group of nobles was no doubt sending an ominous message to the diplomats of Napoleon. After the humbling of Prussia in the battles of Vienna and Auerstadt, this same group was captured and escorted through the city as prisoners of war. They pleaded with Marshal Ogeru to not be humiliated like that in their home city, but the marshal refused their request, as he had been present at the sword sharpening scene and witnessed the hubris of the Prussian guards. He marched them right by that very same embassy. Unfortunately, his first wife died around this time, and the rigors of military campaigning had taken a toll on his body. Before the Battle of Eilau against the Russians in 1807, he requested sick leave from the emperor, but this was denied. The battles of the past few years had taken a toll on the Grand Armée, and Napoleon needed experienced commanders like Ogeru. The emperor had placed the sick marshal's corps in the center of the line 
and ordered him to advance against the Russian center. The fog and snow were so thick that the French could not see the enemy until they came within a few hundred yards of them. The Russians opened fire on them with 72 mass cannons. Ogeru's troops were cut down by a hail of cannonballs, and owing to the smoke and snow, they could not see where they were going and wandered into crossfire between the French and Russian artillery. Ogeru's soldiers tried to hold their ground, but at last they wavered and broke. The marshal was so sick that he had to be strapped to his horse and did his best to stop the rout, but was wounded and had to retreat. The emperor, wishing to cover his own strategic error, laid all the blame of the day on Augereau. The marshal's corps suffered 5,200 casualties. Napoleon broke up the remnants of his seventh corps and gave it to the other marshals and sent Augereau home. I believe Augereau never forgave Napoleon for this disaster. A similar situation occurred in the U.S. Civil War during the Battle of Gettysburg when Confederate Commander General Lee ordered General Pickett and his corps to advance across an open field against the entrenched Federal Army. The famous Pickett's Charge suffered horrific casualties, 2,655 men killed, wounded, or captured. After the war, Pickett held a deep grudge for General Lee, saying, quote, that man destroyed my division, end quote. Ogeru probably felt the same way after spending three years training and leading his troops across Europe. And thus, he lost his wife and his division in the span of seven months, which no doubt took some of the fight out of him. In March 1808, Napoleon made him Duke of Castiglione in honor of his famous Italian victory. Ogeru also met his new wife around this time, and married her in 1809. That same year, he was dispatched to Spain to take part in the bloody Peninsula War. He took over the siege of Girona from General St. Cyr. The town was finally taken after seven months, but it cost the French some 14,000 casualties, including many sick from disease. The town itself was virtually uninhabitable after being destroyed by cannon fire with 5,000 dead laying in the streets. The stench was so awful that Ogeru had to keep his troops out of the place, lest infection spread amongst them. Although victorious in the siege, he was recalled to France for lack of energy. After remaining at his estates for two years, he was called to service again for Napoleon's invasion of Russia. Ogeru's job was to protect the supply and communication lines of the army in Russia. He commanded a corps of coerced French allies that were of dubious quality, but he performed well in his role. After the disaster in Russia, Ogeru pleaded for sick leave and returned home. In 1813, he sat out most of the early German campaign against the Allied armies. When Napoleon pointedly asked him if he was still the Ogeru of Castiglione, the wily marshal snapped, quote, Give me back the old soldiers of Italy, and I will show you that I am, end quote.
His performance at the monstrous Battle of 1813 in Leipzig has been debated. Some historians say he performed masterly in his sector, while others accuse him of retreating too early and leaving his brother marshals out to dry. The battle was a disaster for Napoleon, with almost 70,000 casualties. In 1814, when the empire was collapsing on all corners, Napoleon needed any experienced leaders he could find. Despite his sharp tongue for the emperor, Augereau was assigned to protect Lyon and prevent the Allies from invading from Switzerland. But Augereau and his corps just sat in place and refused Napoleon's orders to attack the thinly defended Allied line of communications. Napoleon grew weary of his slackness and sent off the following missive, quote, Six hours after receiving reinforcements from Spain, you were not yet on campaign. You must have a hard core of 6,000 elite troops. I have nothing like that, and yet I have destroyed three armies, taken 40,000 prisoners, 200 cannons, and saved the capital three times. The enemy is flying back from all sides. It is no longer a question of acting as previously, but of getting your boots on and the resolution of 1793. Finally stirred, Augereau launched a brief offensive that was quickly blunted and stopped. During this battle, he sensed it wasn't going his way and fled back to Lyon without telling anyone. Lyon was later captured by the enemy Austrians. His performance and lethargy led to charges that he was in discussion with the Allies. Once Napoleon abdicated in April 1814, Augereau immediately hoisted the white emblem of the Bourbons. On the way to his exile in Elba, the former emperor, by happens chance, encountered the marshal. Napoleon at first was courteous, but remarked that Augereau had behaved badly to him. To which the blunt marshal responded, quote, Your incredible ambition drove you to this. End quote. After King Louis XVIII took over the throne, Augereau was made peer of France. Yet when Napoleon escaped from Elba in 1815, he reverted to his mercenary ways and flocked to his former master's banner. However, Napoleon was now wise to his platitudes and refused his services. After Napoleon's final defeat at Waterloo, the returning King Louis XVIII and his royal court also took notice of Augereau's quick ability to turn his coat. After being refused service, he retired to his estates and died in 1816, and thus only had a year to fully enjoy his wealth in retirement. His career can best be described as an erratic rise, followed by a steady decline. As Napoleon reflected, quote, It is a long time since the marshal was truly a soldier. His courage, his outstanding virtues, certainly elevated him above the crowd. But honors, titles, and money plunged him back into it. The conqueror of Castiglione, could have left a cherished name to France, but she will only recall the deserter of Lyon. End quote. 
Although he was politically inept and morally weak, his skills on the battlefield were impressive, and his well-drilled soldiers followed him anywhere. His battle record was eight wins and three losses. As Napoleon once stated when others complained about Augereau's greed or slack, quote, let us not forget that he saved us at Castiglione, end quote. I believe we will finish on this point. Join us next time when we learn about the man who could be described as almost the polar opposite to Augereau, the iron-willed soldier who stayed loyal to Napoleon through thick and thin, Marshal Devoe. Thanks for listening.